It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I love 40s. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 619 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, December the 9th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network where we have team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got the Locked On Fantasy Basketball show for you. If you're in the middle of your season, you are looking to keep up daily with fantasy basketball. Josh Lloyd has you covered there. We've got all the football shows as well to break down. I don't know what week it was in the NFL, but there was a week that just happened, and you should definitely tune into all the team-focused shows to hear about the games that went down on Sunday. And uh, another thing I'm going to plug, and I plug this on Saturday, I will plug it again, the episode from last Thursday or last Friday on the Locked On NHL national show. Justin Morissette went uh, about 40 minutes with Daniel Carcillo, former NHLer, who has been one of the most uh, outspoken people when it comes to the toxic culture of abuse that hockey is ravaged with at its lower levels up to the NHL. And Carcillo was amazing. Justin did a great job with it. You might have seen Bruce Arthur did a story about Daniel Carcillo in the Toronto Star this weekend. Go read that story and then go listen to the podcast. But Justin has a nice compliment to it. I can't recommend it highly enough. All right, on today's show, the Toronto Raptors are coming off a 110-104 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers. It ended about an hour ago, and joining me to talk about the game and a whole bunch more is uh, Adam Aronson from uh, Liberty Ballers, at Sixers Adam on Twitter, as you know him. Adam, how's it going, buddy? Doing pretty well. How about you, buddy? I'm pretty good. I'm much better after the last four minutes of that Raptors-Sixers game, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Yeah, that was that was about the most Sixers way to ever end a win. Even <laughs> even when they beat you know, the defending NBA champions, a team that was fifteen and six, where they just lost on the road in a close game, they got eliminated in the playoffs. Even with all the positive emotions of beating them, they ended the way they did. It's the most Sixers thing imaginable. <laughs> uh, so if you haven't caught the game yet, you're still uh, waiting to watch it on PVR or you just haven't seen it at all. Uh, this game was pretty much Sixers all the way. It was sort of back and forth in the first half a little bit, but uh, good closes to both the first and second quarters put the Sixers up by 15 uh, after two. And then it never was really all that close until the fourth quarter when really in theory, the Raptors probably should have had their garbage time guys in. They did not. And they decided to roll out their starting five or sort of a big version of their starting five for a little bit there. They had a and Gasol, the lineup that worked against the Sixers so well in time at times last year in the postseason. Um, they were out there for a little bit. Norm Powell got some run. It was a very strange finish to the game, um, but the Raptors tried really hard. They trapped a whole bunch. They forced uh, an eight second violation, had a couple turnovers, a backcourt violation here and there, uh, and really made things difficult for the Sixers to close, close out what should have been a very easy victory. End up only losing 110-104, and with a Kyle Lowry free throw in the last 10 seconds, uh, kept their streak alive, and they have now been 
but within five points in the final five minutes of every single game this season, which is hilarious that they had that little backdoor. I don't want to call it a cover, but it was something close to that <laughs> when it comes to that streak. Um, so yeah, weird game, weird finish. Adam, for you, what was your biggest takeaway from this one? Uh, so looking at it from the Sixers perspective, my takeaway was that so there's this is going to be a two-parter. So part A mm-hmm. of this is that Joel Embiid still has not figured out Marcus All. Uh, nope. He scored, which you know, congratulations Joel on scoring this time. But you know, ten points, seven turnovers. To his credit, he did have six assists and he did defend well. But he still just cannot crack the code of Marcus All. Um, I think it's a testament to Gasol's uh, mind. And I think it's something that we've talked about before with, you know, the reason Horford has done such a good job of guarding Embiid and the reason Gasol has done the same is because the biggest component of guarding Embiid is, you know, knowing what's coming, being able to anticipate moves and, and overall just making the smart decisions. And, you know, Marcus Gasol's as good as it gets in regards to the mental aspect of basketball. Um, but, you know, on the positive side for the Sixers, they won despite all of that. So, you know, they, they're a team that's always struggled without Embiid on the floor. They've really always needed Embiid to play well in order to win. And these last few weeks, Embiid has not quite been himself, and they have still been churning out these wins. So, you know, if you're looking for the positive Raptors takeaway, it's that Marcus Gasol is still awesome. If you're looking <laughs> for the positive Sixers takeaway, it's that the Sixers seemingly are awesome even when Embiid is not awesome. Yeah, the, the Gasol thing was still very funny there were a couple of plays in the first quarter in particular where like just Gasol being there really seemed to get into Embiid's head and if I'm not mistaken at least two or three or all three of Embiid's buckets definitely two of his buckets came uh, at the start of the second quarter when Gasol was still sitting because he had foul trouble early on Um, and even with the foul trouble Gasol Embiid could never really shake free for more than a couple minutes with a block out there Um, you know it's pretty clear how much better Gasol is than Ibaka guarding Embiid and you know foul trouble you know that could certainly spell doom down the line if they ever come across each other again and you know there's not really a backup plan there but yeah the, Gasol still has the custody papers fully in his possession <laughs> over Joel Embiid uh which is good if you're a Raptors fan and you're looking at the long-term sort of end game for this potential matchup um for for me in terms of big takeaways Kyle Lowry was amazing. Like, and I, I just, there are so many dumb Kyle Lowry opinions going around right now. And I don't like to indulge them because people are stupid and I shouldn't punch down to stupid people, but there's like a lot of like, Oh man, Lowry came back and broke the Raptors going on right now. And that's just not true. He was seven to 14 tonight, four of eight from downtown, 26 points, six boards, five assists, two steals, uh, was the best Raptor on the floor. Anytime he was out there, and he had to be out there a lot, and he was out there with a little bit less help than usual because Fred VanVleet left this game uh, in the second quarter with a knee contusion, which is not great, and uh, hopefully we hear more on that. I would imagine he's not going to play tomorrow night against the Bulls in Chicago, but uh, hopefully it's not too long with the knee for VanVleet, and it was more precautionary to take him out. But uh, in his stead, Kyle Lowry was amazing, and just... It's hard to win games when you only have Kyle Lowry going. I mean, some, sometimes he can do it, but it feels like the Raptors are making a habit uh, dating back to like game one of the conference finals last year where Lowry uh, had the 31 points or whatever it was in game one of the series. Maybe it was 35 and they just didn't have anything else going on. And it seems like they're kind of wasting these vintage Kyle Lowry performances a little bit, but he was great. And I, I 
if I'm looking for reasons to be optimistic about what's to come for the Raptors as they get through this pretty tough part of the schedule, it's that Lowry looks to be back to himself and more, and he is going to figure things out, I would assume, with the rest of the team. Um, and I, I think the slump that they're in is far more tied to Pascal Siakam having some issues and to the general three-point shooting on the team kind of coming down from their insane start. Um, Adam, what did you think of Lowry in this game? I thought Lowry played well. It was a lot of, you know, the Kyle Lowry stuff that I adore because I love the players who, you know, grift their way to the free throw line <laughs> are are just so clearly annoying to everybody else on the floor. I like I'm the biggest Chris Paul fan in the world. I love guys like that. Um following Sixers fans on Twitter predominantly uh gives you a pretty negative outlook on Kyle Lowry. But I, I've never, I've never bought into that. I love Kyle Lowry, and uh, I'm glad he won a title. I thought he played well tonight. Um, and you know, Tobias Harris for Kyle Lowry works in the trade machine. <laughs> I'm all good. Um, <laughs> the yeah, Lowry. I thought in this one too. You kind of saw a little bit of him sort of ironing out the kinks that have been there the last couple of games. There was one sequence in particular where I think it was the end of the first quarter, maybe early second, where the Raptors, for some reason, were spacing Rondé Hall's Jefferson to the corner for some reason. And it was just kind of gumming everything up because no one cares to guard Rondé Hall's Jefferson, although he did hit a three in this game, which nearly knocked me on my ass. Um, I was sitting on my ass, but even further into the couch, it almost knocked me. And, you know, Serge Ibaka was sort of as the role man in a lot of these situations, and it just didn't make a lot of sense. And like I saw there was a possession, I think late in the first quarter where Lowry's like literally pointing to Ibaka, like get out of the lane, go to the corner, Rondé, get out of the corner, go to the lane and then come set a screen for me. And that was kind of the nice, you know, very smart Kyle Lowry, little sort of nuanced things that he does that I think are going to try to eventually lead to the team kind of rediscovering the chemistry they had and sort of the just like the flow they had before he got hurt. And I just anyone who's still thinking that Kyle Lowry is the reason that flow has been disrupted just isn't paying attention. He's the guy who brings flow. It's it's always been that way. It was the way last year when Kawhi was on the team and there was the Kawhi offense and the Kyle offense. And I am very sure it's going to snap back to where it was before he got hurt, where Kyle was sort of the center of everything. Um, so that's that's my you know impassioned plea to stop having bad opinions on Kyle Lowry. We'll continue talking about this game in just a second, but first, it's time for me to tell you about Audible. It's a time of year when everyone is traveling or running around getting thoughtful gifts for the people you care about. Think about yourself for once and give yourself the gift of an Audible membership. Now is the best time to do it with a special offer of 53% off your first three months. Access an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivation, mysteries, thrillers, memoirs, even more, perhaps. We the Champs by myself and Alex Wong. You can choose three titles every month, one audiobook, and two exclusive Audible originals you can't hear anywhere else. Listen on any device, anytime, anywhere with the Audible app. It's great while commuting, while you're at the gym, or during your holiday travels as well. With Audible, you'll also enjoy easy audiobook exchanges and your own audiobook library you keep forever, even if you cancel. Right now, for a limited time, you can get three months of Audible for just $6.95 a month. That is more than half off the regular price. 
Give yourself the gift of listening. For more, go to audible.com slash locked on NBA. Once again, for a limited time, you can get three months of Audible for just $6.95 a month, more than half off the regular price at audible.com slash locked on NBA, or you can text locked on NBA to 500 500. That's audible.com slash locked on NBA, L O C K E D O N N B A, or text locked on NBA to 500 500 to get three months of Audible for just $6.95 a month. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Adam, so let's uh, continue on talking about this game. Were there any other Sixers in particular that stood out to you? You mentioned Tobias Harris as someone you'd like to trade for Kyle. Uh, maybe not so much after tonight. He was really good. Normally, he's you know going two of thirteen from downtown against the Raptors. Oh but instead, come on, he was good. Oh, <laughs> you did not have to bring up Game Four. Come on now. I will bring up all of the games in that series that the Raptors won for the rest of time. Uh, and like again, I can't be mad about this loss because I have I'm just swallowed in my championship gear. I've got my mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry bobblehead. Mario B sitting right there it's great um but no tobias harris was really good in this game he had 26 points 10 to 22 four of eight from downtown uh al horford i thought was really good as well and did a pretty good job guarding pascal siakam which was kind of a new matchup considering it was mostly ben simmons uh in the first matchup a couple weeks ago what did you make of those guys or was there anyone else on the sixers that particularly stood out to you uh those guys both played well but the, the one who stood out to me most was matisse Thybul. Uh, mm-hmm. probably the best game of his NBA career. He had his career high with 20 points, career high, five threes. He shot five of eight from three. He's now at 44% from three. And, you know, that's clearly not sustainable. There's going to be some regression. But if he's even a good shooter on on decent volume with the kind of defense he's already playing, he's going to be such a useful rotation player from right now on for so long. Um, and if he turns out to be a plus shooter, which he's been a you know a huge plus from deep so far, I don't think that's going to stick. But you know if he's even slightly above average, he becomes one of the better role players in the entire NBA. So that stood out to me. You know he had the great scoring. He also had three steals and a block. He was defending Kyle Lowry late in a close game. Mm-hmm. Um, he continues to do things that players of his uh, experience generally should not be able to do. Um, and, and there have definitely been some, uh, bumps along the road for him. Uh, so far he, he got benched for a game in Denver. He's had a few nights where he's just clearly outclassed, but, uh, for the most part, he's had such a promising year and, and this is probably, you know, the biggest exclamation mark on that so far. He kind of reminds me a bit of first year OG Ananobi. Cause like that first year for OG, you know, he, OG had more of a pronounced role cause he was starting, but he, you know, didn't have to do much except for provide really, really good defense, sometimes guarding, you know, point guards and stuff like that, the way Thibault did tonight against Lowry. And, you know, when he hit his threes, it was a bonus. And he was like, I think, 36 or 37% from three that first season. And, like, that's a really, really good player. Someone who's, like, 
got that kind of defensive upside. And OG tonight himself had himself four steals and a block and was ridiculous. And we can get to him a little bit later. But um, just uh, I-, I thought, yeah, Thibel was great. And, and like, look, man, the Sixers are in need of dudes beyond their top five, as we saw in the playoffs last year, as we've seen to start this year. And, you know, if Thibel is going to be that, uh, that's a horrifying defender to have to throw out there. And if he can hit his threes, that makes him not a liability to have out there with his defense. And that uh, that that makes them more of a problem. I got to say, like, I picked the Sixers to win the title before this season. I've been, you know, feeling certain different ways about that prediction uh, at various times throughout the season so far. But, man, he looked uh, really scary tonight. And, and the Sixers, as a result, I think, kind of showed – what they can be. And this was even with Joel Embiid not having a great night. So yeah, very scary team, despite what happened in the, uh, the closing minutes, which we'll get to a little bit more in depth in, in a couple minutes here. But um, I, I want to touch on OG a little bit. This was a really good OG game. He was excellent. He, you know, doing all of his crazy defense and getting on the run type of shit. And then also uh, hit two of four threes, kind of a nice rebound back for him after a bit of a, a rough spell. What did you think of the game from OG? Yeah, I thought OG was great. And and just to go back to, you know, you were comparing Thibel and OG. I think if Thibel is is anything resembling OG, the Sixers would be thrilled with, with you know, the kind of player that they got at 20 overall trading up, yeah. uh, 24 and 33 to to move up and get Thibel. Um, it's just, it's exactly what you described, just having a guy who he go. He comes in. He knows his role is to play defense, and he's great at it. And anything he gives you offensively is just an added bonus. And OG is definitely, uh, you know, several steps ahead of Thibel as an offensive player. And even as Thibel develops, you know, he's probably not going to be as good as what OG is offensively, either as a shooter or even as a ball handler. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a huge Ananobi fan. Obviously, I don't get to watch him nearly as much as you, uh, but. I love wings who can defend multiple positions, who can spot up for three, who can attack closeouts. He's good at all of that. Yeah, it was really just him, Lowry, and sometimes Rondé Hellish Jefferson as Raptors who had a pulse tonight. It was, uh, I mean, you know, Gasol did his defense thing on Embiid, and that was good, but he had zero points on 0 of 6 shooting and missed all of his threes, had a couple pretty ill-advised ones. Not one of his better games, although he was a team best plus nine, which is the most Mark Gasol shit ever. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> But other than that, it was, yeah, Lowry and OG and then like never really anybody else chipping in until the final couple minutes. And this leads me to Pascal Siakam talk. Of course, he's had probably his worst week of the season over the last week or so. This includes, though, his 35-point game against the Jazz. But ever since the game against Orlando this past Friday, uh, so it's about 10 days or so, he's had four not-so-good games out of five. And... You know, I, I, you're seeing him go through it a little bit. You know, there's a lot of talk of, oh, Lowry's disrupted his flow. That doesn't make any sense to me because there are lots of times early on in the season where the only reason Siakam was able to that Lowry was running pick and roll with him and, you know, putting everything on a silver platter for him. And I am not terribly concerned about Siakam considering he has been so good to start the year. And yeah, a lot of these games have clustered together, but I feel like if these games happened in the first week of the season and his really insanely hot stretch where he scored 30 points every single night for a couple for like a month there, um, you get those that like reversed in chronology. We're not talking about Siakam in any sort of negative light. And and I think 
what we're seeing is kind of the the growing pains that we always expected from Siakam this season. Um, I know you probably don't get to watch him every single night, but you know what from what you have seen from Pascal this year, Adam. You know, based on tonight and and sort of everything else you've seen, are, are you? concerned are you you know worried about his lack of efficiency lately or is this something you think that'll just tick up because of how talented he is yeah i'm not concerned at all i I mean you you know if if raptors people are concerned then then i would heed their advice but he's just such a good player and and the developmental curve that he's on i mean and i'm sure you've talked about it before it seems truly historic to me the the year-to-year improvement he's making just from season to season the leaps he's making consistently are unbelievable. And I forget who I was talking to about this recently, but we were talking about Siakam and I said, just imagine if Simmons or Embiid throughout their entire career made the kind of improvement that Siakam makes from year to year. And, Mm. and like that, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a tough comparison for Simmons and Embiid because Siakam is, has had one of the best developmental curves that we've seen in recent history. But I mean, you just go from like last year in the playoffs. I remember the Sixers were just like, okay, we're going to leave you wide open in the corner. And if you start hitting threes, then, then you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But he didn't make them pay. And now now I turn on the Raptors and he's hitting pull up above the break threes. <laughs> um, he, it's the, the, the speed at which he is picking up new skills and refining the ones he already had is incredible. And when when you have a guy who improves at that rate, I just uh, I can't imagine getting too worried after a bad stretch. Everybody has bad stretches, unless you're LeBron James. Basically, everybody has bad stretches. Embiid had a bad stretch. Ben Simmons had a bad stretch that lasted like three weeks. Uh, I wouldn't be nervous about Siakam. Yeah, I mean, like I said, this is kind of what I think most people should have expected. You know, there were going to be intermittent growing pains. There were going to be games where his efficiency sagged as his usage has gone through the roof. And I think you're seeing also in the last few games, the Raptors are trying to sort of reincorporate Kyle Lowry into what they're doing. And they've come across... Rockets, the Sixers are just really good defensive teams who bother you all the time. And the Rockets are this janky-ass team you have to totally sell out all of your typical principles for to guard, and that throws everything out of whack, as we talked about on the the podcast that talked about that game. And I just – I think maybe people are jumping a little bit – jumping the gun a little bit here as they sort of you know declare the Raptors have no flow anymore and have no chemistry and Siakam and Lowry don't work together I mean they literally worked together for the first eight games of the year just fine and then Lowry went down and I just think it's a combination of you know Siakam maybe being a little bit exhausted from having to carry such a load for that time uh, while Lowry was gone and the you know the very sort of you know, just like the the intensity being ratcheted up so high the last three games after Lowry came back and, and not really no, even getting to settle in against a bad team. And also just like, you know, Siakam's the the brunt he's very he's seeing the brunt force of most defenses now. And I think teams are selling it even further and throwing all of their horses at him to try to slow him down. And I, I would imagine he's going to figure out those counters and figure out ways to work around it because he's done that at every other step of his career. Um, you know, talk to me in a month if this is still going on, and then maybe we can talk about what his ceiling is or whatever. But for now, I'm just looking at this as like a four game 
sort of stretch, you know, with a 35 point explosion against the jazz of all teams uh, mixed in there as well. So I uh, am yet to ring any alarm bells there. And I, I think the return of Lowry on the whole eventually will mean good things for Pascal because things should get easier for him, not harder. And these last three games have kind of run counter to that, but it's just three games against three good teams. So that's kind of my takeaway there. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Uh, quickly, before we get into, or before we wrap this thing up, Adam, we should probably talk about the last few minutes of this game, which to me were a joyous romp and I had so much fun watching them. You, I'm guessing, did not. Uh, <laughs> just like... I don't even know what to where to even start here. Did you think it was weird that the Raptors had their players in still with like four minutes left? Did you think it was like garbage time at that point? And what was your like? Did you ever worry that the Raptors were actually going to come back? So when you watch the Sixers for as long as I've watched the Sixers, you learn that <laughs> there is no garbage time because it is impossible to build for the Sixers to build a lead that they cannot blow. Um, and, and that especially applies when, uh, their point guard can't have the ball at the end of a game when the team is leading because he doesn't want to get fouled. And you like Josh Richardson, who's been out for six games now, their biggest loss with him not playing has been on the defensive end, but tonight they really needed him on offense because they needed somebody who could bring the ball up past half court. And it's a pretty crazy thing to say because they're NBA players, but until, uh, Howell Neto came into the game with two minutes left and they didn't have anybody who you could throw an inbound pass to and have him dribble the ball past half court in less than eight seconds and then not turn <laughs> it over. Um, and even he turned it over late, I believe, which is not surprising because basically everybody on the team had a turnover at some point late in that game. Um, this is what the Sixers are. Anybody, anybody listening to this who, who follows them even close to as much as I do over, the last several years knows these are they're prone to these kinds of things it's frustrating and and you know it's something that they have to they have to patch up you know, like they're trying to win the finals you have to be able to close that situation with ease and uh and they they still aren't able to do that I, again part of it is is ben simmons i think you know when your execution is that poor i think part of the blame has to go to coaching and that's brett brown who who I defend pretty frequently. I think he's a great coach and, and, you know, a lot of Sixers fans want him out of town and, and I don't think they really know what they're talking about, but uh, I, I think, I think it's a real issue that, you know, like something like that still happens, you know, like Embiid mm -hmm. is in year four, Simmons is in year three. They have Al Horford and Tobias Harris, both veterans. Th that just can't happen. Uh, you're an NBA team, figure out how to get the ball past half court. Uh, <laughs> It, it, it really is that simple. Um, but, you know, all in all, it's a good win. I don't think this should overshadow, uh, even though it left a poor taste in everybody's mouths, I don't think this should overshadow what a good win this was for the Sixers. They they were clearly the better team against a very good team, especially after what happened in Toronto a few weeks ago and even what happened in Toronto uh, eight months ago now. 
or seven months ago. I don't know if I'm good at math or not. Um, <laughs> to me, it but, was just yesterday. It, it, I, you know, I mean, I watch it every day, so it always feels like yesterday. But <laughs> yeah, well, in, in Sixers land, Sixers land, things are so active that you know, like Markel Fultz was on the team a year ago today. <laughs> the Markel Fultz stuff feels like a decade ago for me. Um, but you know, Sixers life is different than Raptors life. And I would imagine different than the life following any other NBA team because they never stop being weird. Yeah, no, hello weird team. Um, and it's funny you mentioned that the, the finish shouldn't overshadow a good win for the Sixers. I absolutely think for the Raptors and Raptors fans, this finish should overshadow an otherwise very bad game, uh, or the, the, the finish should over overshadow it. I mean, it was just like really fun. It was, it was like, ultimate annoying raptors not going away the reason everybody loves them so much it was the raptors showing that even after getting their asses beat by the sixers for 45 minutes they can still fuck them up and that was good psychological torment to me uh and a nice way to carry on what the relationship between these two teams is for a while now i thought it was really fun to see kyle lowry just like dig in like that insanely hard in the most noble of ways even though it was always going to be a doomed comeback attempt considering they were down like 16 with three and a half or four minutes left um but hey man it, it made the the taste in my mouth is not exactly sour after that after this game because of that finish and i think uh, I would be worried if I'm the Chicago Bulls tomorrow night, who just lost an OT, I think, to the Heat after leading for quite a while. Uh, they they play in Chicago tomorrow night or tonight. If you're listening to this on Monday, and uh, oy, that sounds like it's going like if the Raptors are like this juiced up, I, I don't imagine it's going to be a long night for Mil- for, for Chicago. Um, I think that's about all I got for today, man. This is like it's hard to pull much from a game that was a blowout until the last five minutes. Like I, I never really know what to talk about with the blowout, but. Uh, there's always a good excuse to talk to you whenever the Raptors and Sixers play. Mm-hmm. So, Adam, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. And uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, actually, yeah. So, so I'm on Twitter at Sixers Adam. Uh, just started a Sixers podcast a few weeks ago. It's the On Brand Podcast. You can find the Twitter handle for the podcast in my Twitter bio. Uh, so you can click there. We're on the we're on Apple Podcasts, so you can find it there. Uh, LibertyBallers.com. That's where I do my writing. And that's about all I have to plug. Fantastic, man. Uh, we'll catch up whenever they play again down the line for sure. Uh, in the meantime, you can subscribe to, rate, and review this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. If you're a Spotify listener, why don't you try uh, using your Spotify rap thing? The one thing that makes me want to get Spotify every year. Uh, you can use your Spotify rap to show us the top Locked On podcasts you listen to for the year as well. Take a screenshot if you got those Locked On shows in your top five or whatever it is, uh, and tag us at Locked On Live or the host and show twitter account on twitter and we will share and retweet that out uh very cool to see the locked on podcast and people's top fives or again i don't really know how the spotify rap thing works i'm an apple boy and uh again I, I, every year i'm like oh i'm getting spotify so i know what i listen to next year but then i realize what do i need to have a spotify rap for to tell me that i listen to the same five albums from 2006 over and over again i don't really need that uh so uh <laughs> That's going to do it for today's show. Anyway, uh, you can, again, you can subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcasts. It's very much appreciated. You can buy We the Champs by myself, Alex Wong, and Jack Armstrong on the forward. Wherever you get your books, it's much appreciated if you pick that up. It's a great Secret Santa gift or something like that. If you have an office holiday party you got to go to. And uh, that will do it. We'll be back again on Tuesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.